Good morning, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks traveling on the road today as we are once again in Southern California doing some ministry, sharing Jesus Christ, lifting up the name of Jesus, and teaching God's people the good word of God. But I'm here today to greet you on the internet and to bring God's word to you right where you're at. Praise God. So I welcome you today to this online church service. And it is a wonder, a joy, that we can gather together and hear the Word of God ministered, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you the Word that will be the spiritual food and nourishment that will sustain you and empower you for this coming day and this coming week. Praise God. So I'm so happy that you're here today. Now, we're going to honor the Lord, and we're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And I want to build your faith for God's best for your finances. And you have to understand that so much of the Christian faith is built upon what we would call Judeo-Judaic principles. Now, the Old Testament is the foundation. And in the Old Testament, we have types, shadows, we have many things that we can look back to. And in the day in which they were living, those symbols were veiled. But now we have the substance, we have the reality in the new covenant through the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But my friends, when we become born again, let's say that you're not Jewish and you become born again, you, you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, so often because we did not have that Jewish Judaic foundation of knowing the Old Testament scriptures, then we walked into this covenant in many ways not knowing what rightfully belonged to us and how God also has worked with his people in the past, his people Israel. And any Jewish person would know and understand that prosperity is a good thing and that poverty is a curse. But you know, from a Gentile perspective, when I got saved and when I was raised in the church that I was raised in, we didn't know anything about our Jewish roots. We didn't really even grasp the idea that the Bible, all 66 books, were written by all Jewish men. We really didn't understand the truth that God worked with a man named Abraham and established covenant with him, and then through his grandson, whose name was changed from Jacob to Israel, then God had covenant with the nation, and then uh, that goes on and that goes on until the Messiah comes, and when the Messiah does, uh, when he did come, he was Jewish, and of course he still is. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he is a Jew, and We didn't really recognize that in the church denomination that I was growing up in. We never really stopped to get the import that all 12 apostles were Jewish. (laughs) And so, you know, that Paul was Jewish and they they have a Jewish mentality. Even in a world uh, in Paul's day that had become very secular and even in a day when Rome ruled over much of what was the former kingdom of Israel. Uh, But my friends... As a New Testament believer, you have to understand that in God's eyes, when he blesses, there is provision, 
there is increase, there is abundance so that you can do what you're called to do and that you can have overflow so that you can be a blessing, that you can be a giver. And that when the curse is engaged through disobedience, then one of the key attributes of the curse working in the, in the life of a nation, in the life of an individual, is lack of resources, always struggling financially, trying to figure out what to do, going from one financial dilemma to another. That is a product of the curse, and the curse is all an offshoot of sin. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And this is something as a New Testament believer washed with the blood of Jesus, redeemed through his precious blood with your ticket stamped to heaven and on your way to glory, my friends, you have to understand your roots in God. Hallelujah. And God said very clearly in his word, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, and if, you may want to highlight and underword that word if, that denotes certain terms and conditions that must be met in order for the covenant to be enacted in the life of a child of God. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, so that if denotes obedience, if you faithfully obey, so there's conditions, obey what? The voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings. Please say that right where you're at today or as you could be anywhere in the world. Maybe you're in Georgia. Maybe you're in Germany. Maybe you're in Australia. Praise God. Maybe you're in uh, Russia. Praise the Lord. But just say that today. Praise God. Shout it out and say that the Lord is good to you and that he has blessings. Say it. Say blessings. <laughs> Not curses. <laughs> blessings for you. Praise God. Now, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you, if you, if, now here we have the word if again, please underline it again, highlight it again, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, and then it goes into all of the blessings, uh, verses 3 all the way through verse 14, talks about the blessings, and God wants to set you up, God wants you blessed, and that includes ample provision that includes overflow so that you can be a blessing to others. Praise God. So you have the empowerment to complete your assignment and that you also have a heart to see what God is doing in the lives of others. And you can be a blessing in these uh, extra areas that you have a heart a connecting, a connecting by the Holy Spirit to get involved with. Also, praise God. Amen. And you cross the finish line of your destiny and you hear one day, one day you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in to the home, the heavenly mansion I've prepared for you. Praise the Lord. But my friends, if if we don't follow those conditions, if, again, the word if, if we do not obey the voice of God, his commandments, his, his instructions, somebody said, this is not a book of do's and don'ts. This is a love letter. Yes, this is a love letter from God revealing how much he loves you, telling you what to do to please him, and also revealing what is displeasing to him and what will allow the enemy to come into your life and cause havoc. And if, if you walk in the commandments of the Lord, then all of the blessings, they just start chasing after you, running you down, 
overtaking your life. But my friends, you don't want to be involved in sin because sin opens the door to the devil. And then the devil will come in and he will inflict one of his aged, long-time traditions of just one of the many aspects of garbage that he brings into a person's life, which is what? Not enough money. Insufficiency. And also, when you see nations turn away from God, there is a curse that can come upon nations where nations begin to go into debt. We see our nation, uh, the United States of America, with unprecedented levels of debt running into the trillions and trillions of dollars. And of course, with plans to, you know, print more money, like another six or seven trillion dollars, and all of that will eventually lead to hyperinflation. Uh, and the, the way to cure that is through repentance. But that's also one of the signs of judgment upon a nation is when they're just going further and further into debt and further and further away from God. But my friends, you can't always control what others do, but you can certainly govern your life and you can walk in the light of God's word and obey his commandments and walk in all of these spectacular blessings. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. I mean, you're blessed all the time. <laughs> Glory to God. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your barns and on all you and all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the Lord is very interested in blessing you. The Lord has a plan for you to get to the top. Hallelujah. What does it require, Pastor Stephen? Obedience to all of his commandments, to all of his principles, to all of his ways. Praise God. So get into the word. Dig into the word. Find out what pleases the Lord and do it. Find out what is displeasing to the Lord and stay away from it. Praise God. Because the conditions, the blessings are, uh, they are conditional. They are terms and conditions that we must meet in order for the blessing to flow. Praise God. Now, we're going to meet those conditions and we're going to do it out of a heart of love. We're going to show honor to God, not just with lip service, but by literal obedience, by getting involved in what he said to do. And the Lord said that the tithe belongs to him. So 10% of all of our increase, of all of our income, 10% we're going to give to the Lord. And then we also have the opportunity to sow seed or to give an offering, something above the tithe. And my friends, God wants to keep that rain of heaven, that rain of ideas and illumination coming down upon your mind. And that's the blessing of the tither. And thank God for tithers. Where, where, would the world be without tithers? Where would the church be without tithers? And I want to say thank you for all of you that tithe and honor the Lord with the 10%, because if it were not for tithers, you wouldn't see one church building anywhere, because it's the tithers who built the church buildings through their tithes. Their, uh, see, if there's no tithing, there's no consistent income. And the pastor and the, the board of directors or the eldership, they can't have any uh, clear direction or vision because the money could be up and down like a roller coaster. But when there's tithing members, 
Now they can plan financially, and then they can implement those plans. And the next thing you know, there's another beautiful facility honoring God, uh, making available a house of worship where the word can be preached around the world. So thank God for tithers. My friends, God is blessing you to be a blessing. Now, let's bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. If you prefer to mail them in, please send your tithe and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you would like to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, day or night. Please go to our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and you can click on the link on the homepage. It has a red heart on it. It says give. You can click that. You'll see the box that you can click to bring your tithe in, and then you'll see a couple of other projects that we're focused on right now. And if you would like to sow a special seed and offering into one of those projects, it would be greatly appreciated. Woo! Praise the Lord. Oh, by the way, on the parking lot project, we are uh, scheduled in with the paver to come out and put down the uh, beautiful new uh, uh, top uh, asphalt or whatever you call it, uh, tar and gravel, all of that good stuff. It's going to look absolutely beautiful. And uh, they're working uh, to get towards, uh, towards us very, very soon as they're very, very busy doing a lot of work for the state and county. But this beautiful paving company is going to come in and we're going to have a fantastic looking parking lot when they're done. And I'm excited about them coming very, very soon as I just spoke to the uh, paver just a few days ago. So thank you for sewing into that project and any giving that's given into that project will go towards that need. Praise God. Father, bless your people. Father, anybody with the right mind knows that the blessing is a good thing. Anybody, unless they're living in an insane asylum, uh, would have to know that the curse and the awful products of the curse is something that's bad. So Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We receive it. We walk in the light of your word. Let every blessing, Father God, that you have outlined in your scripture, plus all of the good stuff in the new covenant, let it touch the lives of your people. And may it distinguish them with the mark of honor, a mark of beauty and grace, and a mark of excellence in their life. Thank you, Father, for no lack. In Jesus' name we pray, shout amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Now today, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go with me to Isaiah chapter 60, and this is a prophetic year. This is an, uh, an Isaiah chapter 60 type year. Uh, this is not, of course, only for this year, but I want you to understand that we are now uh, moving in an accelerated manner into the last days of the end times. And we need to know some basic understandings of the sequence of God's unfolding of these end time events. And I don't want you to be in the dark. I want you to have prophetic understanding, biblical insight, so that you can have the hope and the faith to move forward in a time where there's going to be a lot of gross darkness within the earth. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into today's message, let your word be quickened by the Holy Spirit to jump into our hearts, not just into our heads, but into our hearts. And Father, help us to do all that we can while we still have time. And help us to always carry that hope of expectancy, 
of your return and of our ultimate homegoing. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I would like to start in Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to look at this just for a moment, almost like a refresher. And then we're going to move on into some of the other subjects I would like to talk about today, including the Antichrist and a few other things along that line. Praise the Lord. Now, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. It's your time. You may feel like you've been passed by. You may feel like uh, you're the book that's not pulled off the shelf. But I want you to say that the spotlight, the spotlight of heaven is moving over into your direction. And it's now time for you to shine. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall, now shall be in future tense, well, we're there. <laughs> we have arrived. The future's here. <laughs> For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. My friends, that's not an over-exaggeration. There is gross darkness, thick darkness upon the people, unlike anything I've ever seen before. If you look at pictures of world history over the last 100 years, and you look at the degradation of morals within society, it's shocking. Because while we have made many advancements in technology, many advancements in medicine, whereas over the last 6,000 years, things were pretty steady, up until about 200 years ago, then illumination began to come, and uh, you know, then we got into the Industrial Revolution and things like that, and things picked up pace where we could uh, advance uh, our lifestyle better and move forward. But today, although we have had advancements in areas that bring uh, some relief to humanity, there has now been a place where we are in an area where m much of the people of the earth don't want anything to do with God. They want to govern their own lives. Nations want to remove the laws of God completely away. We've seen the taking down of the Ten Commandments as that now being considered something old-fashioned. And uh, in other words, man says, we can get it all worked out. We don't really need God. But my friends, this is all to be expected because we are in a time where there's gross darkness upon the people. And you can go to any city in America and just walk around the cities and you just see that people really need the Lord. You see, it's not uncommon now to see uh, men and women walking around in public society with hardly any clothes on. I mean, even on, uh, on airplanes, on trains, it's just I see people sometimes now with hardly any clothes on, and it's now become normal. <laughs> now, if you went back 100 years ago, uh, that would have been something so outlandish that society never, ever would have accepted anything like that. You would have been an outcast. You would, you would be ashamed, and you would be embarrassed. But today, today, that has become normal. That has become acceptable, and this is gross darkness. And the early church was a very powerful force in the earth. Of course, we are familiar with the book of Acts, but as the church moved into the first, second, and third century, there was a lot of persecution, but the church held strong. But once Constantine came to power and Christianity became an official state religion, that fiery uh, faith and that 
uh, great anointing that was upon the early church began to lift because it went from a persecuted state to now a pampered state and the church and really uh, Europe and much of the world slipped into what historians call the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages basically being a time from 476 uh, AD to about 1000 AD. But even though there was a lot of darkness on the earth at that time, and what I mean about darkness, I'm not talking about nighttime. I'm talking about really nations and cities going back into paganism, uh, the worship of different gods, the worship of uh, rocks and sticks and trees and, and just uh, really paganism. Paganism even even drifting into really what's truly behind it, which is Satanism. But there were still fires of illumination that were burning throughout uh, certain parts of Europe. And a lot of that had to do with monasticism. Monasticism basically being Christians who wanted separation from the filth of the world, who sought some remoteness from all of the areas where sin was really practiced, and they wanted hubs of revival, hubs of spirituality, and so often those monastic centers turned into monasteries. The monasteries were centers of spiritual enlightenment and also public education because anytime monasteries were established in early Europe, particularly in the Celtic areas of Ireland and Scotland, those monks would always establish not only a monastery but a school right next to it. So there was teaching of the gospel as well as teaching people how to read and write. And if it were not for the Celtic saints, the Irish saints, and the Scottish saints, all of Europe would have slipped in basically into uh, uh, paganism, going back into old forms of just worshiping rocks and worshiping gods of weather and crazy stupid stuff like that. So uh, that held strong for about about a thousand years before that began to cool. And of course, if you go to Europe today, go to Ireland or, or some of those places, you could tell, well, <laughs> they had a great move of the spirit back yonder, <laughs> but it's not really happening today. <laughs> today, it's just uh, remains of old uh, monasteries and beautiful old buildings that once were. Uh, but that old spirit of Druidism, which is in many forms Satanism, is now creeping back. Old forms of paganism, wanting to get around a tree and chant and hug a tree and stuff like that. Those things are trying to come back. So there, there is an age in which we're at now where a lot of society just wants to move away from God and go into uh, gross darkness. And that uh, some of that we're not going to be able to stop. Why? It is a prophetic pre-planned event that has to unfold, that has to take place. But here's the good news. While that is going on, God's glory is going to be rising up on you in very, very supernatural ways. Woo! Praise the Lord. And my friends, this is going to be the church's finest hour. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. <laughs> praise the Lord. Yes. Yes, uh, the American culture in many ways has, uh, it's just like rolling in the mud. Everything that is ungodly and unholy is now celebrated in 
magazines, new pa- newspapers, and television and stuff like that. Most of the stuff that is perverted is celebrated now, and that which is actually true and just and right in the eyes of God is mocked and spurned. But my friends, while there is gross darkness, spiritual darkness and massive spiritual blinders upon people, the church is going to be illuminated like a light, like a city on a hill at nighttime. And people are going to see the glory of the Lord and they're going to see the mighty miracles. And there's going to be another great shaking, another move of God before things are wrapped up and before the restraining force is removed out of the earth. And then the Antichrist will come on the scene. Speaking of that, let's take our Bibles and go over to that fascinating subject found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, every believer needs to have some understanding of the end times. That doesn't necessarily mean you're one of the people that loves to go to you know, eschatology conferences and things like that, although I have always found end time events to be very fascinating. And if you're a Christian and you're not really interested in that, it's probably because you don't know how really juicy and good it actually is. But I want you to have at least, my friends, a good grasp of this sequence of how things must go step by step in the last days. And when you understand the sequence, you will realize time is short. And so I've got to get as much done while I still have time available. Praise the Lord. And we're going to take advantage of that. So let's look at this just for a moment. We're now in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse Let's go to verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Now, don't let anyone deceive you. There were people that at that time, false teachers, false prophets, that had told many in the church, hey, the rapture or the catching up of the saints has already taken place. We've missed it. And so that upset a lot of young Christians. And so Paul had to teach them and ground them in the understanding of end-time events and basically say, no, 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 that that has not yet happened. And so he's now uh, bringing back their attention some things that he has previously taught them. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, or the falling away, the rebellion. And there are two falling aways. There's the falling away of society from a respect and reverence for God and his laws. And we see that happening very much where there's now gross darkness coming upon people. And it's uh, uh, it's almost like normal now for people to walk around with hardly any clothes on in public places. I'm not just talking about at the beach. I'm talking about in the library, on a plane, <laughs> uh, in a restaurant, and nothing said. It's now become acceptable. And other forms of perversion that are not only tolerated, they're actually encouraged And so we see that, but there's also the falling away in the sense of many in the church who the whole time while they were in the church had a lot of shakiness the whole time they were there. And so it's not surprising that we're actually seeing those type of people fall away by the droves right now. And I uh, read an article uh, just the other day written by a, a homosexual man who interviewed a very, very well-known Christian pop singer. And this was a Christian pop singer that back in the 80s was probably the most famous Christian musician in the world. Uh, 
and you know, never spirit filled, never Pentecostal or anything like that. Just what we would call contemporary Christian musician. Well, I read the article, and at the conclusion or at the end of the article, at the end of the interview where this homosexual man is interviewing this this lady, former uh, Christian, uh, famous Christian musician, he wraps up his he wraps up his talk by saying. I am so relieved and so happy to know, after having interviewed this woman and what she told him, he said, I'm so happy to know that God accepts me as a homosexual and that everything is right between me and God. And I just thought, wow, she has completely misled him. She has not told him the truth. Why? A lot of these celebrities within the church, they want to be accepted. They want the world to recognize them and honor them. But in order to do that, they have to compromise, they have to bow, they're going to have to uh, uh, do certain things that go against God's standards. So there's a falling away. There is a falling away, and we're seeing it left and right. We're seeing it with uh, worship leaders that, uh, but, but you know, when you look, you see these people were never solid in the first place. Let me say this about music. If the doctrine of the person writing the songs if their doctrine is messed up, the lyrics in their songs are going to be messed up. If their doctrine is all mushy and it's not solid and it doesn't even have uh, a, a bite to it where the gospel is actually shared in a way where people, where people know that, yes, God loves them, but hey, there's going to be a judgment day one day and we're going to all stand before the Lord and be judged according to his word. Uh, and that word will be the standard by which we're judged and how we lived our lives. Well, if you have bad doctrine, you're going to have bad lyrics. And eventually, if you do that for you know five years, 10 years, 20 years, that is going to produce a, a generation of people that really don't know the Bible. And we are living in, and uh, we're living in a time where very, very few Christians actually read their Bibles. I mean, if you were to tell somebody, hey, you know, this is what God said in Genesis. Well, they think you're talking about a car, uh, that they know more about an automobile company named Genesis than they do about the book of Genesis in the Bible. They didn't even know where it's at. And uh, I have met people in the church before that have been in the church for years that if I mention a certain book in the Bible, they've never even heard of the book before. <laughs> they've heard of the Bible, but if you mention like a major book, they're like, well, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the most famous books in the Bible. Well, I've never heard of it. What does that tell you? It just tells you that people are not reading the Bible and they're going to these types of churches that are not equipping them to stand. And so as the falling away takes place, as this rebellion takes place, it's not shocking to see these type of people, you know, fall away because they were never grounded in the first place. Now, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now, listen to that again, what Paul said. Do you not remember that when I was still with you? Paul was with the church in Thessalonica for only a few months, probably about four months. But while he was there, he told them, he explained to them 
the unfolding of these end time events that deal with the mystery of lawlessness, that deal with the man of sin, that deal with the Antichrist, and he pointed all of these things out to them. When I told you these things, and you know, you know. Now, in the Greek, that phrase, you know, could also be translated as, I've already told you this. You know, I've already told you this. So think about that. If Paul was with the church in Thessalonica for only a few months, maybe four months max, and he's only there for a few months to get these young Christians grounded, isn't it fascinating that he taught them eschatology? Isn't it fascinating that he revealed to them end-time events and that they needed to have an understanding of that, and he got them so grounded in the Word that they even knew what the restraining force was that was holding back the man of sin? Wow. Now, how much more should we? Uh, even if this is like, like for myself as a minister, even if this is not my hot subject, even if this is not my primary teaching assignment, should, should we not still all have at least a basic understanding of what's going to happen in the end times? I believe we should. And the Apostle Paul certainly thought it was important because he refers back that he is, he's already taught them all of this and he was only there a short time. So we need to understand these things as well. And you know what is restraining him. There is something or someone that is restraining the Antichrist. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time, so that he may be revealed in his kairos. Kairos is the Greek word for time used here, not chronos, kairos, denoting he's got a special moment when he's going to come out. That's his moment. That's his special time to go out and deceive the world. Mm -mm. And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. There's a mystery of lawlessness. Now, sometimes you see certain politicians with no knowledge of the Bible, no knowledge of God, even though they act religious. After all, they all do. Most of them do. But that doesn't mean they, they're even born again. And so you'll, you'll see them say things like, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. They'll hear some kind of a statement, and even if the statement is true, they'll say that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, actually, it's the mystery of lawlessness. And many of these things that are said are true of these underworkings of evil men that want a one-world government, that want a one-world controlled system that where one person is governing the whole thing under that person's leadership. One, they want a one-world economic system. They want to, they want to do uh, basically rule the world. And somebody will say, oh, that's just a con conspiracy theory. Well, that is part of the mystery of lawlessness. It's happening right beneath their nose, but there's a mystery element to it where it's not out in the public because the, if the public heard about it, the public would say, this is crazy. We don't all want to die. We don't all want to be slaves to a totalitarian system or a crazy ruler. <laughs> we want freedom. We want independence. So it goes beneath the radar, and it's the mystery of lawlessness. And while it's not something that I, I look into, because we're actually told by Paul, do not look into the mystery of lawlessness. We are, now we all, we all, we are instructed to look into the mystery of righteousness, but not the mystery of lawlessness. Why? Uh, you'll notice very quickly, it's just, it's like going down a rabbit hole. 
It's just a never-ending spiral of bad, weird, perverted stuff that the devil is trying to do through wicked and corrupt people. So if, if, if that's all you listen to or look at, you're going to end up getting very discouraged. You're going to end up thinking, oh, oh, there's evil everywhere. So we're actually told, do not look or meditate into the mystery of lawlessness because you don't, you don't need to. You're instructed not to, but you don't need to because these things cannot happen. These things cannot even really unfold the way it's all wanting to until the restraining force is taken out of the earth. Praise God. Now, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. I want to read it again. Only he who now restrains it. Okay, so this is re referred to the restrainer. Will do so. Will restrain until he is out of the way. Well, this is a very tricky verse in some ways to interpret because the restrainer in the Greek, it's actually, the word in the Greek is actually, it, it's neuter and it's also, uh, when it's used at other times, it's, it's masculine. And so, uh, you know, translators are like, well, who is be, who or what is being referred to here as the restrainer? And there have been different views interpretations throughout church history of actually, you know, just who they thought the restrainer was. Now, of course, it would have been nice <laughs> to have been in Paul's classes there in Thessalonica when he was teaching and revealing who the restraining force was, because they all knew who it was. Um, it would have been nice if they could have recorded that on DVD and we could watch the class. <laughs> so as it is, we have the scripture, so we have to study that to get the right interpretation. Now, throughout church history, particularly in the early church, they thought, the early Christians thought that the restrainer, not, not those who were in Paul's classes, I'm talking about those who were not privileged for that, but other Christians thought that the, uh, the restraining force could be the Roman Senate, particularly with Nero, when Nero was ruling from Rome, because Nero, um, well, he was a real nut job. And if you read anything about him, you realize this man was, uh, he was severely demon-possessed. But he was possessed, but he was still able to carry out his administrative functions. But he was a very diabolical, evil person, especially against Christians. And many of the early Christians thought that the Roman Senate was the restraining force, restraining Nero to a certain degree where he couldn't do everything he wanted to do, although he was doing some bad things. He couldn't go like total hog wild. So eventually, uh, you know, Nero dies, and you had other emperors. Many of them were perverted too, but the, the whole thing goes away. Though there's no more Roman Senate and, and so forth. So that that was their idea. But obviously, that wasn't a correct interpretation. And this may seem a little strange, but some uh, some Christians uh, have actually thought that this restrainer, this restraining force, could even be Michael the Archangel. Because we know, in according to the book of Daniel, that he is able to restrain and hold back certain things, and that Michael is very, very powerful as an archangel, as as the warrior angel, the head of the warring angels. But I don't think that fits him from the perspective of a global restrainer. Now let's go further. Many view the restraining force as being the church, and I think there is some truth to that. But I would say we would have to define that some because you have many in the church that are full of compromise. You have many in the church that um, 
are very, uh, very worldly, and it's not like they're going to hold the ground if it really matters. They're not trying to restrain evil. They're trying to pacify evil and get along with it. <laughs> so that's not what we're talking about. But I think we could make a good case that this is referring to the overcoming church. Now, others think this is a reference to the Holy Spirit, but it's difficult to say that this is the Holy Spirit and that when he who is restraining is taken out of the way, then the Antichrist is going to come because that kind of refers that the Holy Spirit's going to leave the planet. And if he leaves the planet, well, how would anybody be able to get saved or, you know, repent and say, oh, I, I blew it. I bought the lie. And, you know, God, I repent, save me. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. So if he's no longer in the earth working in the lives of people, even convicting of sin, then that couldn't happen. So I think this is primarily referring to the overcoming church of the last days, the great end time army that Joel mentions that he prophesies about in Joel chapter two. And I believe this is referring here to the conquering church of the end times. Praise the Lord. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Now, the moment the, rest the restrainer, the restraining force is taken out of the way, verse eight, now can happen. And then, what does then mean? Once that restraining force is removed or gone, now there are many theologians that say this is a reference that this is the overcoming church caught up in the catching up of the air. The first one's out, so to speak, and could very well be. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So the moment the restraining force is pulled back, the Antichrist can finally come forth and all of this mystery of lawlessness with this underground agenda of a one world system, one world government, one world religion, one world economic system where you can't buy or sell without the mark, a totalitarian delight. Woo! It's finally going to roll full speed once the restraining force is out of the way. Well, Pastor Stephen, what would happen if this is true in the sense that this is the victorious church removed, removed and and then here comes the Antichrist and we start rolling into the end times and what happens if you're not on the bus going out? <laughs> well, <laughs> you have a couple of options. One would probably be fi the, find a cave out in the middle of nowhere and get ready for some, uh, you know, better watch, start watching some survival shows on TV. Or number two, just stay where you are, hold your faith and get grounded and most likely get ready to get martyred because that's probably what's going to happen. Because with that coming system, with that coming system, there will be complete control over people. And if you take that mark, if you take that mark, which will be either in the forehead or in the hand, probably right here in this little area of your skin and your hand, if you take that mark, you're done for. It's not like you can take it and say, well, God understands. I'll just repent and God, you'll understand. No, when you take that mark, you link up with that beast system. And that not only marks you as being able to buy and sell, but your your mind is hijacked. They've got you and you're you're linked with a, a system where you're done. You're going to be uh, like, it's like you got a lobotomy. You're still alive and living, but you're going to lose a lot of, uh, I would say you've surrendered your will. And that, that's, a, that's a done for thing. So it's going to be a wild, wild time. Praise God, an awful time. But before the man of sin can even be revealed, much less get out and do his thing. Before he can even be revealed, the restrainer, the restraining force has to be taken out of the way. What does that mean? 
It means he hasn't been taken out of the way. Whether you believe it's the church or the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. All that we can know for sure is that this force has not yet been taken out of the way. And until it's taken out of the way, he can't come forth. What does that mean? It means we have a little more time. <laughs> we have some more time. Do you have friends that don't know Jesus? You need, to be, you need to be praying for them. Do you have loved ones that maybe once walked with God who've, who are now not serving God, who've gotten away? You need to pray for them. You need to warn them. You need to keep trying to drop those little tidbits of truth into their heart and praying that they will turn from their sin and come back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And I, I believe that Jesus, of course, is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And he is the truth. And so there's a little more time available. And during this time, we need to do all that we can. And I believe that even though there's gross darkness in the earth, yes, this is the church's final hour. And this is the coming forth of the mighty Joel army. Joel chapter two, this is the army of the Lord. And this army is going to begin to rise. And even as we see foreshadowing, of things the Antichrist would like to do with control and uh, crazy rules that strip your freedom, my friends, the church will move forward in a supernatural protection. And we are going to see some pressure. But if you will not compromise to the pressure, you will be qualified to be in that, that army of the Lord, that phenomenal army that Joel saw in the future a day in which we are now moving into. Stop and think about this just for a moment. Let me give you a great example. This would be from the book of Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. And it says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Can you imagine the, the, sick, the sick mentality of a ruler to tell people, Take your son and throw him into the Nile River and watch while the crocodiles eat him up. Can you imagine the perversion, the level of twistedness in a person to, do, to tell those that are beneath his authority to do something like that? And you know what? Many of the Jewish people did, but not Moses' parents. They did not bow to that. And I love how this is recorded in Hebrews 11 verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were not afraid of the king or the president's edict or the governor's edict that says, you know, you, you have to take the shot or you have to do this or you have to do that. Look, I'm very serious what I'm about to say. There are Christians today in the church that are so compromised that if it, that it wouldn't even take the Pharaoh, it wouldn't even take the president to do it, that even if the mayor or the governor of their state or the mayor of their town stood up and said, take your child and throw him in the river and feed him to the crocodiles, that's just what we need to do. We need conformity. Now, everybody conform. This is what we need to do. You would have Christian parents stupid enough and unspiritual enough, and they would actually go out and do something like that. Well, that's what the mayor said, Pastor Stephen. We have to do what the mayor said. And it says that Moses' parents were not afraid of the big bad Pharaoh and what the Pharaoh said to do. They're like, we're not throwing our baby 
into the river and watching him drown and have his arms and legs ripped off by a crocodile and spun around and uh, tuck in on the water and, and devoured. We're not, we're not going to do something sick and pervert it like that. And so this totalitarian rule is a little that we're seeing trying to be pressured on people, particularly in America and in Europe. And it, it, it's, it's, it's global now. It's global. You have to realize that they want to take that and run full force with it into complete totalitarian control. Why? It's that mystery of lawlessness. They just can't help it. There's something driving them to want to sync up with the one world government and control everything, control all your spending, track every move that you make. <laughs> but you know what? They just can't pull it off yet. Why, Pastor Stephen? There is a restraining force. And as bad as they want it to happen, there is a restraining force holding it back, holding it back because the Lord wants a few more saved. And he's going to get the harvest in that he wants. And we're about to see some great signs and wonders and miracles take place. And those that do not compromise, that do not bow, that say, look, I, look, I, I don't want to lose my job, but I'm not taking some kind of experimental vaccine that shouldn't even be labeled a vaccine. This is like a designer drug that we're just trying to, you know, I'm not putting something in my body just so I can get your approval. And if, if you're going to, if I have to get another job, I will, but I'm not, I'm not taking my baby and throwing my baby in the, in the Nile river for you. Neither am I surrendering my body to you just because you think I should do this for some sake of general conformity. I'm not going to do it. It's not science. This is not science at all. Everything, everything now is politicized with an agenda to rule and control and govern over people where only a few rule at the top and everybody else is made a slave. Praise the Lord. But my friends, for those in the overcoming triumphant church, the Joel's army of the end times, let me just read a little bit of this to you. There is going to be such an anointing, praise God, that... Uh, we're going to walk in the miraculous. The miraculous will become normal. And even though the enemy would like to do certain things, it's going to be impervious to those that are in this army. Because throughout church history, and I've studied uh, hours and hours, countless hours in church history, there have been times when wicked rulers have tried to kill Christians and they've tried to boil them in oil and it wouldn't kill them. They have they have tried to expose them to, uh, uh, you know, being eaten by wild beasts, and the beast wouldn't eat them. They have cut their heads off. Let me put a, 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 an image up on the screen right now. You're looking at an image, and you might say, Pastor St uh, Stephen, this looks really spooky. No, it's not spooky. It's holy. Uh, if you've ever been to the beautiful city of Paris, which, by the way, has lost quite a bit of its beauty, <laughs> <laughs> over the last five years. <laughs> Trust me, I know I've been there. Um, uh, you're, you're looking at the founder of the city of Paris, France. That, my friends, is St. Denis. And he was persecuted because he was a bishop. He was a Christian. And they cut his head off. His persecutors cut his head off. And he didn't die. He kept on going. Picked his head up and kept on going until God was finished with the work he had for him. And that is not a rarity in church history. There have been numerous cases, and I have notes and records and books on it, of the countless people that have had their heads cut off and didn't die, even with their head cut off. And St. Dennis picked his head up, just kept on going, doing what God had called him to do. You say, Pastor Stephen, I've never even heard of stuff like this before. 
it has happened every time there has come persecution against the people of God, but there's always a group that says we will not surrender, we will not compromise biblical principles, praise God. And for that group, God does mighty things. Now, we have prophetic foreshadowing of the day that we're now moving into. Remember, the glory is coming upon you. The, the glory is coming upon you. And you're going to see people out in the world struggling with all of these disease and these variants of these viruses and so forth. But you're going to walk into immunity and you're going to walk in health. Praise God. It says concerning this great end time army, Joel chapter 2 verse 3, fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them. Trust me, that's the group you want to be in. And behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Verse 10, the earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is, ex excuse me, his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. So this is the end-time army executing the word of the Lord. And it's a powerful army. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? And when we have completed our assignment, when the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth, and when that last available soul that can be saved and wants to be saved is pulled in through the harvest net, then the restraining force is taken out of the way. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's a wrap. And then things will shift very, very quickly. The Antichrist world system will then come on the scene. But my friends, ain't nothing coming on the scene until the restraining force is gone and we still have work to do. We've got to get the job done. There are some tremendous things unfolding and some tremendous blessings that God is going to release upon the end time army. So get ready, get ready. By the way, this is so good. I want to jump back just for a moment and read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, verses 6, 6 through 8, with Rick Renner's interpretive translation. Rick Renner is a great Bible teacher and one of the foremost Greek scholars in the earth today. And I absolutely love how he translates 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It's a little bit like an amplified translation because you can't just in English get it out so simply. You, if you want to really understand what's being said by the Apostle Paul, you have to unwrap each Greek word, and this is it in the expanded interpretive version. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Now in light of everything I've told you before, you ought to be well aware by now that there is a supernatural force at work preventing the materialization of this person and the disclosure of his identity. This restraining force I'm referring to is so strong that it is currently putting on the brakes and holding back the unveiling of this wicked person, stalling and postponing his manifestation. But when the right moment comes, this evil one will no longer be withheld and he will emerge on the world scene. The screen that has been hiding his true identity and guarding him from worldview will suddenly be pulled back and evaporate and he will step out on center stage to let everyone know who he is. These events have been covertly in the making for a long time. 
but the world doesn't realize that a secret plan is being executed right under their own noses. The only thing that has kept this plan from already being consummated is the supernatural force that has been holding it all back until now. But one day, this force will be removed from the picture, and when that happens, these events will quickly transpire. The removal of this restraining force will signal the moment when the lawless one will finally make his grand appearance to the world. My friends, until the restraining force is taken out, the Antichrist cannot come on the scene. We need to get all assignments accomplished and do all that we can while we still have time. So let's do some big things. Let's do some out-of-the-box things. Let's think globally, not just locally, about extending the gospel. Now, I understand in an army, not everybody in the sense can be on the front line fighting. You need people back at the base cooking. You need a hospital ward back at the base. You need somebody to repair equipment back at the base. But my friends, there are those that are called to create provision and raise up provision so that those that are on the very front lines pushing it and, and taking that gospel into the remote most remote areas, as well as to the known areas, can, can do it in the creative ways that God has called them to do it. And I believe we're going to see some amazing things take place. The Lord has really been stirring me about the potential of satellite. And I believe we're going to one day do some things with satellite that perhaps um, will be very, very unique. Glory to God. Glory to God. Satellite, satellite has some great benefits. Uh, for, for example, your, your cell phone that you use is limited to cell phone towers. And if you get away from a cell phone tower, you, you're, or if the, cell, if the electrical grid goes down and all the cell phone towers go down, nothing works, your cell phone will not work. But satellite is different. It doesn't matter if all of the power goes down. That satellite is up in space and it's beaming down, and you can catch that beam. Now, of course, if you're, uh, you know, underneath a bunch of trees, that can block the satellite reception sometime. But if you're out in the open, you're going to get a clear signal, clearer than any uh, cell phone tower could ever give you. So, satellite is still a remarkable technology, and it's advancing and increasing all the time. And I believe that we're going to do some things, really, to reach around the world, even if some formats are blocked, or even cut off. You can't cut off satellite because that thing's up in space, sending down all the time. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Whoo, glory to God. Yes, Pastor Stephen, we need to get on satellite. Well, our, our TV programs are already on networks that are on satellites, but, but uh, we could even have our own satellite. Remember, th this is not like technology from 30 years ago where you have to have a satellite the size of a truck taken up and it cost millions and millions, you know, like, you know, $400 million to do it. It's not like that anymore. You can have satellites that, that are the size of um, a Bible in space. You can have a satellite the si this size circling the earth a couple hundred miles up and uh, doing, doing what it's programmed to do. Praise the Lord. So we're in the age of some new technologies that the Lord is unveiling because we're going to get the gospel to the whole world. And we're going to use every platform to do it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We have some time. We see the glimpses of where 
this mystery of lawlessness would like to take America into a place of control where we can't even we can't even get out of our houses unless we meet all kinds of uh, mandates that we are uh, unrighteously subjected to. But Father, we're going to stay the course, and even if that means perhaps uh, this, the disruption of some things, you're going to make up for it in much greater ways. So we thank you, Father God, that this is your church's finest hour. Those that are watching, that belong to you, this is their hour to shine, and nothing is going to block that radiance from illuminating. We give you praise. Nothing. Nothing. We thank you for the end time anointing that that Joel's army, that army of the Lord anointing begin to touch your people with the way they think and the way they, they move and the way that they strategize and structure their lives. We give you praise. I see the fire going before them. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're watching today's program and you've heard all of this stuff about the Antichrist, which we Christians are very familiar with, but you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, this sounds this sounds like crazy. <laughs> yep, that's where the world is going. And the only remedy for the craziness and the only solution for the sin problem of humanity is not it's not a, a wicked global leader. It's Christ and his blood that he shed for you. So if you would like to receive eternal life and salvation through the only source of eternal life, then call upon the Lord right now. He'll save you. Just pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and wash all of my sins away. I turn from my sins and I give my life to you. Jesus, save me now. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. I give my whole heart to you. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I take you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Oh, he's coming again. Woo, he's coming again. Get ready, get ready. If you know loved ones that are not right with God, don't give up on them. Keep dropping those little evangelistic statements every now and then. And also, also, as Paul said, we warn people. We warn people that there's a coming judgment. Don't be, don't be afraid to put a little bit of that warning in there sometimes, or a big warning <laughs> in there at times if need be. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, let's take Holy Communion together. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice, and let's pray over it. Father, we thank you for the juice and the bread. We bless it. We set it apart as holy through this prayer. We thank you, Father, that this is now the body and the blood of Christ our Savior. We thank you, Father, that these are very perilous, dangerous times in which we live. But yet upon your people there is a canopy of protection from disease, from sickness, from intimidation, from harassment. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My friend, I feel led of the Lord to tell you this, that should you ever be in a place, this is not for everybody, but for some, should you ever be in a place where even the bullets start flying, the, the Lord says the bullets will not touch you or anybody with you, anybody under your umbrella of protection will not be touched. Your life, You and your life will be be spared. Those of your loved ones be spared because of your walk with the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. 
We give you praise for supernatural protection and blessing, a shield of protection that the enemy cannot penetrate or get through. We thank you, Father God. Stabilize your people. Let them have understanding of the end times, Father God, so that nothing shakes them and so that we remain firm until the end. Thank you, Father God. We receive the body, the flesh of Christ, and we celebrate his soon coming return. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the flesh of Christ. Praise the Lord. The glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you. Unbelievers, those that don't know God, will see his glory on your life. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sin. Thank you, Father. There is no other remedy for the guilt of sin except faith in Christ and his atoning work of the shedding of his blood. Father, we receive the blood of Jesus. We receive forgiveness of sins. We ask you to wash all of our sins away and that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, we forgive anybody, anyone who has sinned against us. Thank you, Father. We ask that you would put people in our lives whose hearts are ready to hear the good news. Thank you, Father, whose hearts are ready for the change. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we are your ambassadors in the earth. Thank you for your protection and your angels going with us. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. The provision of the Lord will also come to the end-time army of the Lord. Mm -hmm. It would be the most well-supplied army that the earth has ever seen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise that the Antichrist can't not come on the scene yet because the restraining force is still here. We give you praise. We give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Help us to make good use of the remaining time that we have. Help us to be mindful of eternity and that we will spend heaven eternity with you in heaven, but that others must know also so that they will not go to hell, so they will not be turned into the lake of fire. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. My friends, thanks for watching today as I'm still out in sunny Southern California. Praise God, having a nice time in the Lord with my wife and I doing some ministry. And I appreciate you watching me as I'm on the road traveling, literally in a hotel right now, praise God. But it is the blessing that I can still come and minister to you. And I thank you for your prayers, your partnership, your love, and your support of this ministry. And next time, I'll see you back. I'll be back home in Carolina. Till then, stay blessed and stay busy for the Lord. Bye-bye.